0: Hi, everybody. This is Chris Coffey from West 40, and you're listening to Shift Everything, the podcast that challenges the status quo in education. Join us as we explore what's happening in the classroom and the changes that are making the impossible possible. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our latest discussion on the educator shortage in Illinois, this time from the perspective of the teachers. My name is Chris Coffey and I'm on the communications team at West 40 Intermediate Service Center number two, based in Hillside in West Cook County. We are assisting the Illinois Association of Regional Superintendents of Schools in its continuing efforts to inform the public about the recent findings of its Educator Shortage Survey. Today, we're joined by teachers Brandon Thornton of Bloomington High School in District 87, and Kimberly Kirk of Chicago Public Schools. Also joining us today to talk about possible solutions to the educator shortage is Jane Russell of the Illinois Federation of Teachers. First off, I'd like to introduce Dr. Mark Kleisner, president of the IARSS and the executive director of West 40 to offer his, his insight on the educator shortage and what's possibly being done about it. Dr. Kleisner.
1: Thank you, Chris. And guests, thank you so much for being here. Um, This is the first time we've put together a webinar like this and I look forward to hearing your perspectives on on this crisis. Uh, Just by way of introduction, we have conducted a survey each year, the regional offices of, of education across the state of Illinois do this study each year. We've done it for six years and it started out being about the teacher shortage and grew into the educator shortage. And most recently we're, we are referring to it as the educator shortage crisis. Um, as you know, we have worked with our teachers across the state, we've worked with legislators, we've worked with administrators, decision makers at, at every level, trying to look at ways to address the teacher shortage. And I think um, the things that float to the top each year are that the pipeline is slowing down. Um, actually, it was deteriorating. Uh, the last couple of years, we've seen a, a slight gain in enrollment, um, but the pipeline at the college level, at the university level, uh, has has been anything but promising. And so, we're concerned about the pipeline. But beyond that, we're also concerned about not only recruiting but selection and retention of our teachers. We know that every corner of the state has some amazing teachers. And it's not just about finding new people out of college. It's professional learning, it's staff development, it's culture and climate of our schools, it's accountability and even teacher evaluation as ways to support our educators and help them feel appreciated and growing and learning um, and so we're thrilled today as we started to talk about how do we frame the this year's findings. Um, and as you can imagine, the findings are somewhat tragic. In the 90s, 90% of districts are saying that that it's a problem. In the, the 90s percent uh, area, they're talking about expecting it to be even worse next year. But at the core, we felt how essential it is to have the voice of teachers. And so we're thrilled to invite you and to have you here with us today to talk about uh, several different aspects related to the educator shortage, how that impacts you, how it impacts your schools, your buildings, your teachers, your students, even the families and communities. And then I'm thrilled that that Jane is joining us um, as, as part of our discussion about what what solutions might lie ahead. So with that, I'm gonna toss it back to Chris. Um, He will then share some questions and we can get some perspectives from the teacher's point of view. Thank you all.
0: Thank you very much, Dr. Kleiser. We appreciate your leadership and guidance on these webinars. We're gonna start off with just a general question, fellow teachers, about what you're seeing, how the educator shortage is impacting your district, your school, what people are saying about it. Kimberly, you are a special education teacher in Chicago Public Schools. Uh, how has the educator shortage impacted your school?
2: Well, I'm a, for me personally, within, within my school, I've seen and observed where we were hiring teachers that weren't the best fit for the position for the sake of filling a position. And and as we know, that's not good for the students. And because of that, we had teachers that were hired in maybe math or science who were not the best fit for that subject. So that's one way that we've been affected by that. Not necessarily this particular year, but years past. That has has been a problem.
0: And are you seeing anything being done about it? Is this the talk of the school?
2: I do know that... um, I've had several principals during this time period, and even even with now within this time period, we try to reach out to uh, programs. I do know that my current principal, when um, she was looking for someone last year, reaching out to current programs to see what particular students are graduating, to see who's uh, to see who is uh, interested in the position. Reaching out, sometimes uh, it would be so much as teachers reaching out to other teachers, saying, "Hey, do you know someone who's looking for a position?" Uh, and I'm not just going to use my position, especially a teacher. Uh, sixth to eighth grade or do you know anyone who's looking for a science position? So it's a, it's a lot of word of mouth. Uh, it's a lot of talking to uh, members within other districts, uh, just trying to see if we can work around trying to find people, teachers who are uh, licensed to come and apply for positions here within my school.
0: Brandon, you're in the Bloomington District 87. Same question. How has the educator shortage in Illinois impacted your school and your district?
3: So we're in the unique position that we're in the same town as Illinois State University, which cranks out the most teachers in Illinois. And so we did start this school year for the first time in my 12 years with some empty classrooms, but they were filled before the kids showed up. Um, I would say for us, we're filling it more in our education support um, professionals. So our paraprofessionals. We don't have enough of them to to place. We're, we don't have enough bus drivers. There's no more field trips. We, we Simply, there's not enough bus drivers. Um, we used to offer the breakfast cart, which would go to every single classroom. And we didn't start that until the second semester because we didn't have enough cafe staff. And so we're seeing that educator shortage hit us in services, not necessarily the classroom, um, But I would say for sure, we're all feeling the strain of less adults in the building in general. A lot of us are wearing a lot more hats than we have before. Um, I just counseled someone through a breakup today during the middle of a lesson. So that's kind of how my school is seeing that educator shortage.
0: And Jane Russell, you are with the Illinois Federation of Teachers. Is this a topic that is getting a lot of buzz um Especially this year compared to say five years ago.
4: Absolutely. you know I can talk to kindergarten teachers or high school um, CTE teachers and they're all saying the same kinds of things. One of the issues that they had not mentioned is the um, student discipline or lack thereof or the amount of trauma these students have all gone through at least in the last couple of years and The recovery is slow and it's difficult lots of times for kids to learn if they have all this baggage. So, uh, like I said, kindergarten through upper grades, they're all having difficulties related to that kind of thing.
0: Kim, is it important that this gets talked about from the perspective of teachers as opposed to just government leaders and superintendents?
2: It is. And here's why I, I, I'm living in the struggle daily. So therefore I can give a firsthand perspective of what's happening and what's occurring. Um, it, it's, 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 almost a, a culture change as well. I've been teaching with CPS since 20, 2008. So about I'm a 15 year veteran. And so as teachers, we see the difference from when I first started to now, and even after the pandemic, and when we speak of the trauma that the kids experience is also the trauma that the teachers experience as well. So we get to give that firsthand knowledge of what's going on that within the classroom. And then we're able to say, as we reflect, what could have been the root cause of that? What could be the solution to this? And then that's when communities like this, we can have this conversation and you all can take our knowledge, what we've experienced and come up with a solution.
0: If we can kind of continue on what you were saying, Kim, the impact on students, if we have fewer teachers in the classroom, what's it going to do to overall learning and the mentality, the the psyche of a student?
2: I want to use the word detrimental without overusing the word detrimental. uh, It's almost as if it's a conundrum within my classroom, special ed. And so this year... I was able to have a uh, my sixth, seventh, eighth grade students. If there is a teacher, I'm just going to show how um, I'm going to use. Two years ago, we didn't have a math teacher, so now you have. Um, if if it's if you have enough teachers, that gives me as the reading and writing teacher the opportunity to hone in on those skills for reading. But now, if I'm teaching reading, writing, and math, until we do get a reading teacher. It's almost as if I'm taken away from one subject to compensate for another subject. And that's not good for the students because my students particularly need time to process. And if they don't have that opportunity to process what it is that I'm teaching them and I got to fit in all these other subjects, then what you have is a school year has gone by and I wasn't able to dig down deep into those fundamental uh, those fundamental skills that my students needed because oftentimes with my students with learning disabilities, I have to go back, fill in the gap while I'm also teaching the current the current skills that they need. And so when you have a shortage of teachers, it's not fair to the student because they're not getting the actual support that they need within that time frame. And when I, I wanna use the word time frame correctly because they need more time to absorb. Think about it and get that aha moment. They don't get the opportunity to get that aha moment. I'm constantly trying to throw at them these other skills that the district says I have to teach by the time I give my statewide assessment. Are you
0: seeing that too?
3: Yeah, Kimberly did a really good job of illustrating the academic things we're seeing and we're also seeing some uh, social emotional struggles too because when you have a teacher shortage let's face it a lot of kids come to school because there's a person there right like their teacher is their favorite person and i'm finding that a lot of us are experiencing so much burnout that all we have in us is enough to come and deliver the content and go home there's less of us who have the the space to be that person i this is the first year i've seen that where teachers who are usually champion as the relationship builder are just so burnt out because of the teacher education shortage. We're doing more and we have less time to just breathe. And so the kids are dysregulated, the teachers is dysregulated. And so we're both handling situations in a way that we normally wouldn't had there been enough staff. And it's also facing, it's it's hurting the administrators too, because they're they're also leaving. And so I'm seeing it um at a more social-emotional level at my school, for sure.
0: Dr. Kleiser, I was going to ask you, they seem to talk about the urgency, the impact on special ed students. Uh, When you talk to other superintendents and regional superintendents here in Illinois, are they saying, look, we need to do something about this because our special ed students could be hit hard?
1: Thank you, Chris. Uh, Kim, you did a great job of describing... (laughs) It's interesting, by the way, and I think Brandon's comments are right in line. Each year that we've done our study, it has shown that um, the greatest demand or the the void is in special education. That special special education teachers, um, the paraprofessionals, professionals, those are in highest demand and have the highest impact, both in number and and sort of magnitude. Um, because schools aren't able to find special ed staff and special ed teachers. Um, There is a sense that across the state, the the special ed teachers can kind of go wherever they want to um, for whatever reason, but special ed tends to be a a high demand area. And to Brandon's comments, um, students that walk in the door with challenges be those SCL and or, and probably magnified by (laughs) um, learning challenges, uh, those kids need a lot and they demand a lot and they ask for a lot of help. And um, when we find that our philosophy asks for us to help students with special ed challenges to be successful, integrated and um, included in regular classrooms, we also find the teachers are feeling under supported in the regular classrooms, which then magnifies the the challenge. So Brandon's comments about only having so much in the tank and being able to be that one person for students, uh, we see that all over the state. I think it's very telling uh, that Kim is in Chicago and Brandon's in downstate Bloomington, and yet their comments are resonating off of each other which makes a great deal of sense.
0: All right, let's talk about the causes. Um, Jane, you are in the union and you hear from teachers. Kim, you're in the classroom. Brandon, you're in the classroom. What are some of the reasons why teachers are leaving or not coming back, not re-signing? Who would like to tackle that one?
4: I can start if you'd like. Sure. I I wrote a little list here. Um, I would think um, lack of respect um, and or support and lack of recognition, Um, maybe not enough professional development um, being offered or the right kind of professional development. Um, They need to be, like I said, supported. Pay is important. Um, That's one of the things we talked about in our teacher pipeline committee but other things are at least as
0: important or if not more important. Kim or Brandon, uh, what are teachers saying where you are?
2: Um, so let me put my disclaimer because this is kind of unique for me <laughs> because I, even though I'm a middle school specialist teacher, I'm also a Chicago Teachers Union delegate. And I also am a virtual instructional coach with the WeCare program with Chicago Teachers Union under uh, the Illinois Federation of Teachers. So it's the working conditions um, that we don't talk about enough. And when we talk about working conditions, uh, safety and security within the classroom, whether it be the physical safety of the teacher or the psychological well-being of the teacher and the students, uh, facilities. Um, and I'm, when I mean facilities, I mean, as far as the resources, technology, the overall uh, environment, reach the physical look of the, the, the classroom, desk, chairs, whiteboards, you know, the up-to-date um, school policies. I mean, a, on a local level within the building. And, and, and above all else, the effectiveness of administration. You know, how effective is the administrator in influencing and retaining teachers? How effective are our veteran teachers even with, uh, with the relationship do we build relationships with new teachers when they come in the building to teach them because this is a very complex job. What we learn in our teacher preparedness programs, let me put my little caveat, I didn't go through a traditional program. I went through a USL, an alternative certification program, which did pretty good with, I feel as though, preparing me. But when you get into the classroom, that pipeline often sometimes does not prepare you for what you actually wanna see or be a part of once you hit the classroom. So the working conditions of teachers uh, in some schools, and I can only speak to CPS, are not at its best. And administration um, does lead the way in being a decision factor in whether a new teacher will decide if she's gonna stay at that school. It's almost like a marriage. Is it a good fit? Do I feel as though I'm being, um, do I feel as though I'm being supported? Um, and if I need support within the PD, is there that feedback? Or is it more so of a, I'm gonna tell you what to do, versus let's work on this, let me model it for you, let me come back, observe it, let's talk about it, let's switch it up, and let's see what what other strategies that we have. So for me, from what I see based on my experience as a both a delegate and a virtual instructional coach. It's the working conditions within that school environment that really affects uh, a new teacher. And if we have, we do have some school administrators who do a good job at influencing teachers to stay and supporting those new teachers. And then I think we have some school administrators who are just as stressed out that they don't get the opportunity to, to reach out how they, like how they want to because they're just as stressed as the veteran and the new teacher as well.
0: Brandon, could you talk about the, you know, the stress Kimberly just said? One of the things we've been hearing about as we do these studies and read about the studies is that teachers are just stressed out right now. Not saying that anyone at your school is, but could you give our viewers a sense of how tough a teaching day could be and why you really could use some support?
3: Sure. And I'll give my disclaimer too. I'm also a part of IEA and Teach Plus Illinois. And a lot of the things we're saying has also happened with IEA. They did a survey where a third of teachers were considering leaving the profession. And I think we've reached peak stress. Um, I think it started in March, 2020. Sure, we were all stressed out before, but all of us, you know, had our why, right? Find your why. my why is because I love kids. And that was enough to keep you in the profession. And then for almost three years we had very uncertainties of what came next and we had maybe a little bit of moment of calm when the school shut down in march of 2020 we were just trying to reach our kids to check in on them and then that fall of 21 um, or fall of 20 we were just experimenting with things right and so we experimented for a year or two and we were kind of having some like hey education could change for this way and then we didn't make any changes. We, we just went back to the way old things were. And the kids are very different from those years online and those years from home. And we haven't made any changes. And I think that's where the stress is coming from. And because of the world shutting down and a lot of people having to pivot, for lack of better words, and change the professions, I think for the first time, teachers started realizing they could leave. It gave them permission to leave, seeing your friend who was doing maybe business work for his whole life and then his office shut down. So he had to change his profession. I think a lot of us, um, especially in my age group, I started teaching in 2011. That means I can't retire until I'm 67. I can't collect my pension until I'm 67. And that's a long time to be feeling hopeless, right? And so a lot of people in my situation are thinking, there's no way, there's no way I can do this for this long. And so they're taking active steps to leave. And I think that's the shift that the pandemic brought on this sense of urgency of, I got to get out. Like, there's just no way I can do this any longer. Or before then, if you had a bad year, you weathered the storm because you knew you there was always a reset in August, right? Or if you had a bad day, you could reset tomorrow. And it just feels, the stress is so intense that people are bringing it home and fighting with their own kids and fighting with their spouses. We have nothing left by the time we get home. And people in my position don't get to go home. We get to go to our second job because we're not getting paid enough. And we know this is the only way to make ends meet. And so I think that's the stressors that we don't often talk about for people who are still in the profession. People who've left have a lot to say. There are a lot of edgy celebrities on Twitter and TikTok who've left the profession. What I appreciate about this is that you're asking people who, who stayed and why we're still staying. And I think that's an important step. Jane,
0: what could be done to not only retain the teachers schools already have, but convince kids who are in high school right now, hey, you might want to become a teacher. It's very rewarding. Uh, what's it going to take? So
4: um, there is a um, committee working on the teacher pipeline through the Deputy Governor for Education, an initiative, and we have a committee, I don't know, 35 to 40 people. And what we are looking at is is state funded programs um, to see if they are worthwhile. Are they helping to either to retain or to train or to recruit new teachers? So um, I can tell you a little bit about the things that we've looked at related to state and our federal funding. There were actually 13 areas um, having to do with scholarships, programs like Golden Apple, um, looking at the Educators Rising program, which is for high school students. We looked at residency grants and tuition waivers, Grow Your Own, We also looked at principal mentoring because I think Kim mentioned this. Um, Principals are leaving um, or as stressed, even more so maybe than teachers. So that was an important thing also. And then we looked at affinity groups and national board certification to see how all of these things, what can we do? Are these good programs, are they working well? And if they are, then how can we enhance them? What can we do legislatively to make things better? so um we haven't finished that yet we're hoping um for legislation to occur uh resulting from the recommendations but it, this will have to go to the p20 council first and then on to, through the governor's office and onto the legislature so those are just state things um the other thing that i heard um brandon mention was about the tier two pension And I know that's coming into purview because, as Brandon said, a lot of people are saying, I can't work till I'm 67. And I'm thinking about the kindergarten teacher that has to be on the ground with the kids or the PE teacher, you know, that's showing how to do some important things uh, related to sports, maybe. So um, that's a whole nother issue. That's nothing we're looking at now, but I think our unions are beginning to look at that kind of thing in um, working with other groups to figure out. Well, legislator, legislature, legislators for sure on how we might be able to help
0: amend that program to keep that would keep more people in the profession. I think Kim and Brandon, if we can wrap it up here on the final stretch, what? what would you like others to hear about how rewarding it can be to be a teacher? Like how, how would you sell a young adult uh, about becoming a teacher? What, what are the, just the awesome things that they could experience in life?
3: So, I mean, we, this is probably seems like a negative call. We've talked about a lot of the bad things, but I feel like that's the best part about being a teacher. And the hardest part is that you matter. You matter to someone and you matter every day. And I think that's, what's hard is that we sometimes need time to process. And I don't think we slowed down the process what the pandemic meant to us. We've just been problem solving on how we can help the kids. Um, but I mean, that's important, right? We matter every day. And if you're looking for a profession where you can just show up every day and get a check, this is not it. This is not the, the place where you just show up. Um, so I think... I really do think, I know you're going to hear people say that public education is broken. The schools are broken. We're not broken. Um, We just need some time to heal. And I think by the time they enter the profession, we're going to work out the kinks. Um, But this is for sure the most rewarding thing I could do in my life. There are many times where I'm like, I could leave, but where would I go? Where would I go that would be this fulfilling? And so I, I would encourage if you are on the fence on what you want to major in, or if you even want to risk going to college look into the things that Jane talked about I would not be here if it were not for golden apple I would not be here if it weren't for a map grant that helped pay for me the teach grant um, these minority scholarships that helped me because I was majoring in math education at first I would not be there so look look for those funds that are help you get you through. Um, don't worry about money worry about what you want to do in life and this is the perfect profession to do something in life
0: Kim. How would you describe it?
2: This this is my craft. So uh, this, this I, I consider myself the expert uh, when it comes to education. So no matter, I'm, not to take away from you all, but this is <laughs> my attitude that I have. When I walk uh, into a classroom or into a school building or into a conversation about education, I'm the expert. And I'm the expert because I take this seriously. I mold lives. And because I mold lives, how I mold the life now today for my 13, 14 and 12 and 11 year olds is how they will be productive citizens when they become 18, 19 and 20. And so I actually have students that still come back to see if I'm here and tell me how to do want to become educators. And then I educate them. Okay, if you want to become an educator, this is the path you need to take. And I encourage everybody, You know, don't just go for your master's, go for your doctor, because you're the expert in their content field. And that was another reason why I became an NBCT, like I became an NBCT in science because that was my content area at the time. But I'm the expert. And when you when you understand your craft and you want to continue to hone your craft, you we are constantly shaping lives. And that's the best way to make a productive citizen is become an educator.
0: Well, Kim, Brandon, and Jane, thank you so much for participating in our webinar from the teachers' perspective. Dr. Kleisner, the teachers are the main focus of this study. Do you have any closing words to share with Kim, Brandon, and Jane, and everyone else out there that is interested in following these webinars?
1: Well, I I want to echo a thank you too. I I appreciate your transparency and being forthright. These are difficult things. And as each of you has said, we don't often give a platform where we can speak. So, uh, freely and openly, there is a little bit of hope. I hear the hope in all three of you. Um, at the same time, last week, uh, when the governor did his, um, address, he proposed $70 million for each of the next three years. Um, It's not quite sure how that money is going to be spent, but it is going to be focused on uh, the teacher pipeline. And so some of the things that you've been sharing today, I will pledge to you to take to decision makers and to the conversations I'm part of. I hope that lots and lots of people take a few minutes and watch uh, your comments today. Um, I love the way that you were speaking to young people. I would agree. I'm point I'm at in my career, I just, I think it's the best career ever. And hopefully we can help corral some of our younger people. Jane, I'm going to be right beside you changing the pension program and (laughs) instilling hope in in our young people. Um, This has been a wonderful half an hour. Thank you so much for joining us. If anybody wants to check out our study, our webpage is iarss.org and there's a link right there on the front. Um, Some good data to drill down to. So thank you again for being with us this afternoon. And um, I appreciate your comments and I look forward to working with you as we move forward.
0: Thank you everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Shift Everything. We wanna hear your thoughts and bold ideas and share your educational accomplishments. To join the conversation, Email us at shifteverything at west40.org.